0: Dear listeners, have you taken a moment to look at our Patreon page yet? Patreon.com slash The Marble Machine. You can support us there by becoming a patron. Do check it out if you haven't already, and visit our website, themarblemachine.com. Do you hear the snoring? No, it's not Tim, it's Norbert. He came back with a treasure chest full of ideas. I have no idea how the little fellow could carry such a heavy load all by himself. I will have to ask him once he has rested. As for now, he's sleeping in the little wooden bed Tim and I made for him. Before he dozed off, he told me that the first bluish idea clouds in the right corner of the chest would surprise me. When I inquired why, Norbert said that they were an idea cluster from a parallel universe in which a reincarnation of myself was also narrating a podcast. I exist in a parallel universe, I asked. And he nodded. In this universe, I narrate stories, almost like I do here, and yet not quite the same. In this other dimension, I'm an apprentice of a genius inventor. Norbert said, if I dared to encounter my parallel self, I should feed the idea cluster to the marble machine, which would then produce three stories at once. They're all separate stories involving this strange inventor person and, well, and um, me, I, I guess. I was too curious not to try. And well, the marble machine has been digesting the idea cluster all morning, but it sounds like, yes, yes, listeners, it's producing something as I speak. Shall we go and have a look? Mo- oh! Whoa! What's out, marble machine? Oi! I could have hurt myself. It it spat a hundred tiny marbles right at me and made me slip. No oh, thanks, Tim. He says the Marble Machine is sorry and that the many marbles were wasted ideas that didn't fit into the stories. Well, okay then. I I guess apology accepted. (coughs) I see. Uh, The three marbles that followed are the ones that contain the mini-series. Well, they sure look delicious. I wouldn't mind eating them all at once. I am not getting a marble belly. But okay, fine, Tim. I I will eat them one by one, then. The Inventor's Apprentice, Part 1. A frog named Clemence. Written and narrated by Jacob Graf from A Parallel Universe. Recorded and edited by Tim Höfer. Listeners... Did you know that as a young boy, I often sat awake in my bed and wondered what the world would be like if, for every problem in the world, I could invent something to fix it? I had the greatest ideas, but I never knew how to practically implement them and make them work. It wasn't until I met Professor Adelbert Greenstone, the genius inventor, that I found out that the most important thing was simply to have the ideas and not to forget them. To believe in them, to pay attention to them, to take care of them, to comfort them, to... Well, I guess you get the point. Ideas must be treated like a good meal, cooking in a pot for days and days, until one day the right recipe will spring to mind and turn a great idea into an even greater invention. According to Professor Greenstone, the real good ideas are becoming rarer and rarer, and the numbers of those that are bad and turn into useless inventions are becoming countless. I have met many people, listeners, but no one quite like Adalbert Greenstone. The word impossible simply doesn't exist in his dictionary. The following stories all took place during the six years I spent working in his workshop as his apprentice. What happened after the six years, you ask? Well, on an ordinary Monday morning, the inventor had just disappeared. Gone without a word of goodbye. Poof. Left without a trace. It's been almost a year now that I haven't heard or seen him. Somehow I don't feel anything bad happened to him, but of course that could just be wishful thinking. It's just that he was so otherworldly. Maybe he just, I don't know, packed his bags that weekend and took off to another planet because his work on Earth was done. Oh, my name is Jacob, by the way, and um, here is the first of the many adventures I was lucky enough to experience with this strange and wonderful man. It was a hot summer and the inventor and I had almost finished working on a device that could read and translate the thoughts of animals. The invention was ready for the final phase of testing when Professor Greenstone received a call from a colleague in East Africa who had spent several months researching an indigenous remedy called snake stone, which, uh, believe it or not listeners, could apparently cure all kinds of diseases. The professor announced that he would leave at once and that I would be in charge of the workshop for the time that he was away. My girlfriend had just moved in with me and was complaining about the many late nights I spent at the workshop. I told her that the inventor's workshop was no ordinary workshop. Some of Adalbert Greenstone's inventions needed attention and caretaking. You can imagine how my girlfriend responded to that.
1: You know who else needs caretaking and attention? Your girlfriend, what kind of an invention needs a babysitter anyway?
0: She would demand to know. You know, I can't tell you. I promised the inventor not to talk about our work. But no matter what I said, she simply would not believe me. It was quite ridiculous. At one point, my girlfriend even thought that I was having an affair. In her defense, that might have been because the professor's coffee machine was on when she called... And I had forgotten that he had invented a filter that changed the sound the boiler made when the coffee was being brewed. Instead of the classical boiling water and steam sound, the inventor's coffee machine sounds like the ecstatic singing of a young female opera singer. Anyway, listeners, I'm getting sidetracked. Where was I? Right. The device that translates the thoughts of animals... The Faunus Speech Converter, as the professor named it, consisted of a small box about the size of a radio. Uh, It had a red light diode on it and a bag of little speech cells about the size of vitamin pills and made of equally digestible material. Once swallowed by an animal, the cells translated the brainwaves and the thoughts of the animal would come out in clear speech over the Faunus Speech Converter. During the first phase of testing, on the dog of the professor's best friend, we heard him fantasizing about trading his owner in for a pound of fresh meat. Can you imagine, listeners, trading him in, just like that? Next, we tested the invention on a goldfish, who um, seemed to be rather promiscuous. The only thought the goldfish ever uttered was a song lyric that he had made up himself. It went uh, something like this. Uh, Come swim with me around and around, sexy sea cucumber float down to the ground. Splashy splish splash into my water you go, and we'll make a daughter before you'll know. Well, uh, I had been ordered to wait with the last round of testing until Adalbert Greenstone would return. But things changed when one morning I heard a lady in distress screaming for help. I opened the workshop door to see where the voice was coming from, and saw an elderly lady standing amid the tall blades of grass in the park across the street.
1: What's going on? Oh, thank God, someone is here. A quick young man. He is dying. Uh, Who is? I asked. As far as I could see, there
0: was nobody in the park but the woman and me. Why the frog, of course? she said and pointed to the little green creature lying in the grass in front of her. There was a cut across the frog's belly. It lay on his back and had one frog hand over his face. When I came close, I saw it look at me through its fingers and then it it sighed. I swear, listeners, never had I ever encountered a sighing frog before. Maybe I misheard, I thought. On the second look, the frog didn't seem to be seriously injured. In fact, it seemed to be acting a little bit overdramatic. I am Jacob, apprentice of Professor Greenstone, and you are? I asked the woman, who was still on the verge of crying.
1: Bogette, Madame Bogette. What happened? Je ne sais pas, I don't know. I just found it there. Would you stop asking questions and call a veterinarian or something? He's going to die! Uh, I don't think a
0: veterinarian would come for a frog, and I don't think he's really that badly hurt. Maybe, I said and stopped my thought. I remembered the device and couldn't resist finding out what had really happened. I'll be back in a minute, I promised. I came back with the fauna speech converter and bent down over the frog, who was breathing heavy with his mouth open so it was no problem to insert the speech cell. Are you uh, giving him medicine? Uh, Something like that, yes. I tuned the device to the frog's line of thought, and after a few seconds, a French-accented voice was heard from the fauna speech converter.
1: Mon Dieu, if it is my fate to die this way,
0: I will accept it. Madame Beaujette looked at the invention and then back at me, and I had no choice but to explain what was going on. So he is dying, she said. Before I could answer, the frog turned around and hopped off into the high grass. But we have to follow him, she insisted. We stumbled through the grass, and whenever we came close to the frog, we heard his thoughts through the fauna speech converter.
1: Even if my body dies, my heart will go on forever, was the thought we heard just before
0: we saw the frog again. He stood upright on his two hind legs, leaning against the bushes of a hedge with one frog arm and quite theatrically caressing the scratch on his belly with
1: the other. Ma chérie amour, don't you see that I bleed for you? Madame Bougette was the first to notice the large black cat
0: that sat before the frog. The cat tilted her head curiously, lifted a paw and took one precise strike at the frog sending her green admirer flying a few feet back into the grass.
1: My oh, what fire, mon amour. I fell in love with your temper from the day we first met. The frog came hobbling back out of the grass and again postured up in front
0: of his feline love interest.
1: Oh, take me the way I am. I know I am not beautiful, but I am more man than any tomcat could be for you. My smooth skin hands will be gentle on your curves, and I will caress you and make you purr like no one ever has. He's got to be suicidal,
0: I suggested. Uh, not at all. Don't you see? The poor fellow is in love, Madame Bougette said. With a cat. Well, um, opposites attract, I, I guess.
1: Oh, don't be silly. We have to help him. I will ride your back, mon amour, and eat any flies that dare land on your beautiful whiskers. The frog's thoughts
0: came to us over the fauna's speech converter. The cat hissed and crouched down, ready to pounce at the love-drunk fool. Listeners, by my word, it looked like the little
1: frog's tragic love story was about to end in a dramatic finale. Oh, Dieu, if you cannot love me like I love you, then pray, end this foolish love of mine and eat me alive. With my frog legs, my dear Then at least It will be like uh, we are having One last dinner date Together at a French restaurant In that very moment, listeners The
0: cat jumped and would have killed The pitiful Casanova If Madame Bougette wouldn't have jumped in And with a mighty stomp of her foot Scared the cat away The frog looked at her and broke down in agony Does that thing work the other way too? It uh, does-what work the other way? Give me one of those pills. I have an idea. Madame Bouget did not seem in the mood for an argument, and so I gave her one of the speech cells. She ate it and sat down in front of the frog and, whee, listeners, was I surprised when I heard a croaking sound from the Fauna speech converter. As you might guess, dear listeners, uh, the conversation was quite one-sided for me as I only heard the frog's
1: replies. Clémence Étienne Grenouille is my name. The frog introduced himself. And you, killer of hope, destroyer of dreams, why did you chase away the love of my life? Madame Bougette
0: answered in, well, in, um, froggish, I guess, over the fauna's speech converter. I'll spare you the rest of the conversation, but the two of them sat there for the rest of the afternoon. At one point, Madame Bougette made me fetch lemonade for her and a little bit of honey to attract some flies for Monsieur Grenouille. Um, When they finally finished talking, Madame Bougette put her hand on the ground and Clémence Etienne Grenouille hopped into her palm. She lifted him up gently and held him close to my face. Then Monsieur Grenouille opened his mouth, shot his tongue out and licked my face. A kiss. Madame Bougette explained, as the effects of the speech cells had worn off. What in the world?
1: Is is he in love with me now? Mais non, just thankful. What did you say to him? Well, at first uh, he wouldn't listen to me, but then I told him that I only intervened because I still saw hope for him and his love. You do? Well, nothing is impossible, but I told him that he needed a different approach. It was his first time in love, and he approached the whole thing a little too impulsive. What any woman or cat needs to know is that a man or frog is serious with his love, and not just driven by desire. True love, I said. is not a sprinter's game. is that of a marathon runner. Ah, and that alone convinced him? Uh, that, and the fact that I told him the whole story, of love in time of the cholera. From Gabriel Garcia Marquez, the story resonated with Clemence, a man who never stopped loving the woman he met in his youth. Until he was an old man, this tale spoke straight to his heart. Okay, but why on earth did he kiss me for? You are a little slow, aren't you, my dear? The machine of yours, of course. I told him that I would help him write love letters for his chosen one and that with the help of your great invention, he could translate them to her. So, how much? How much what? The machine! How much does it cost? I will pay for it. Clémence is coming to live with me and I promise to help him for as long as he lives. Uh,
0: For as long as he lives, huh? I see. Well, um... I'm glad you two are getting along so well, but I cannot sell you the machine. It's the professor's invention, and he's in Tanzania at the moment. Listeners, I don't have to explain the rest. It is in my nature to be quite easily convinced and persuaded, and I did want the frog to have a reason to go on living, so I lent the invention to Madame Bougette for the time being. How the inventor reacted when he came back and what absurd adventures he went through in Tanzania, that's a whole different story. But as you know, you will hear it here when the Chest of Stories brings you our next adventure. Welcome back, listeners. Or I don't even know if that's the right way to phrase it. that was weird, wasn't it? Chest of Stories... Sounds like a cheap copy of the Marble Machine, and... Yes, Tim, I am trying to be respectful. And I did like the story, just not the guy telling it. I mean, he didn't sound like me at all. He did? Well, he sounded awfully naive to me. True. Maybe I should listen to the podcast myself and get used to my own voice. Oh, well, I... I still can't wait to hear what happened to the inventor on his trip to Tanzania. Uh, Tim, if I exist in a parallel universe, then so must you, right? Well, uh, see you soon, listeners, and don't forget to support the Marble Machine by becoming a patron on Patreon.com. And, um, no matter which universe you're in, the
1: next Marble will drop.